Hello, hello, and hello! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? And today I am so honored to introduce y'all my special guest, Rachel Madorsky. And wow, she is a superwoman. And let me tell you why. First and foremost, Rachel she is psychotherapist, a relationship coach. A business coach, a speaker, a trainer, a performer, and a co-owner of award-winning improv comedy venue, Cotown Theater, based in Austin, Texas. And for past two decades and more,、um, Rachel so much. She's been facilitating, coaching, performing, teaching at all those possible places you can imagine. You know, ranging from a startup to Fortune five hundred, for profit to non profit, university to conferences to festival to organization. Wow, that is so incredible.、Um, she is really passionate to bring the happy happiness and joy to all her clients、uh, in their life, their business, their relationship, and because of that. Her incredible, incredible impact has been featured on Bravo, The Learning Channel, South by Southwest Interactive, and CBS News.、Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> Besides all those incredible, incredible things you did, guys,、uh, what I love most about Rachel is just how sweet and kind she is. The moment I met her, I am just so honored to call her my friend. And I'm so excited to have you today, Rachel. Thank you so much, and welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, when you are so amazing, I'm so grateful to be here. If whoever's listening, I also I kind of want to tell them to pause this and go back and make sure they listen to the first podcast of you talking about you because your story is just so brilliant and powerful and beautiful and inspirational. Like you are an incredible human. And thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course, thank you so much, Rachel.、Um, really appreciate you and being allowed to me. So thank you for joining me today. But just to take a second, unpack about you, Rachel. Wow, what a journey! First of all, aren't you not sleeping? You've done so much. <laughs>、uh, no, I'm a pretty good sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you done all that? Like, is it, is it all? What does it all come from? Will、you always know you want to be a coach slash comedy when you were young. <laughs>、um, kind of, you know, when I was a little girl, if you would ask me what do you want to be when you grow up, I would have said a therapist and a star.、Um, because for as I mean, as long as I can remember, both were true. I, I. Really wanted to help people. I really wanted to make the world a better place, and I also loved the attention and I loved being entertaining. And those are two worlds I've I've inhabited my whole life. Wow, that's so beautiful! I love that you have such a clarity in such a young young age. You knew you want to help people. You know you enjoy the center of attention, helping you know entertain others, and you pursue the true path. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, easy. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just thinking. You know, I. It's so easy to put a spin on things, you know, and depending on the mood or the goal, I could we could put any spin on it that we want,、um, you know. So I don't know if it was easy, but I think when you love something, you love something, and so.、Mm-hmm. It makes. I mean, I know you know this. Like when you have a project or something you love. Even、mm-hmm. the obstacles aren't big enough to really slow you down.、Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how the whole journey got started. So you knew <laughs> you had the desire in your heart when you were young, and then what happened? Um, let's see. Well, I saw a lot of bad things from a really early age. I'll just start there. So really quickly, I remember being really little, and you know. I had kind of a crazy childhood, and I remember feeling almost incredulous. Like there was still this innocence, and I, I 
really hold on to it even now. But this innocence of, I don't know if it's like when we're young, we're still connected to wherever we were before we were born. I don't know. But I really felt like connected to this sense that it was completely unnecessary for people to be hurtful toward each other. And I, you know, I was really sensitive and really tuned in to others and really wanting to make, you know, people feel better, especially the people around me. And so I think that's part of where the helping came in. You know, my, my mom suffered with her own, you know, personal stuff. And I remember just as soon as I could probably talk, trying to make her feel better. And when I could, there was like a real power that came along with that to be a little kid and to feel Mm -hmm. like you had an effect on the world. So I, I know I got that early and I felt like I was sort of honing my superpowers really young about how to Mm -hmm. effectively help people. So that's kind of how that started. Wow. Wow. I, I, I love that, Rachel. You know, such a young age, you were able to turn the difficulty time that you had, whether it's you and people around you, the the challenges, and you turn that into the you superpower. And you want to end the suffering for others. You want to help others because of that. That's just so tremendous courage and integrity. And this is so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Wen. Um, I think, you know, I think sometimes, I mean, I don't almost, I don't really even want to take credit for it. It's just that that's what happened. And that's what felt mm-hmm. good to me was to help people feel better. It was probably as much a survival technique as there was anything mm-hmm. generous about it. And mm-hmm. then also at the same time, I just, my mom tells me stories that I was funny. I mean, I, I loved laughing. I loved entertaining and I loved laughing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I was never in a circle where being funny was popular. So it almost felt mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, I can't help it rather than something to feel proud of until, oh. you know, until I found my way, which eventually I did. So tell me, how do you find your way? Um, well, I went to, I went to undergrad to be an actor. I went to Syracuse University, the drama mm-hmm. department, and it was a lot of fun. And I was, you know, really trying to be a serious actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just did not have the self-confidence required on, on any level, even though I got a lot of positive feedback. And somewhere inside, I felt like I had talent, but I didn't feel like I had the looks or the belief in myself. And so when everybody was graduating and moving to New York or LA, I just thought I won't survive in either of those places. So I um, decided to more fully pursue getting my master's in social work. Wait, so I want to take a second to pause that. So you, at the time you go to university, pursue um, acting. And I imagine that was what you wanted when you were 18 or 17, right? Was yes. it a difficult realization to after four years, you realize, you know what, Dan, I love this, but maybe this is not the right path for me. How do you able to digest that and be make peace with it if that's your dream all along? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure if I, I don't think it was me 100% giving up on my dream. I think it was me just choosing. I, I didn't want to be poor. And I believed that, and I loved, I mean, I love helping people and I, I needed to work on myself, which a lot of people, you know, who go into the helping professions find their way there because they're fixing themselves, which is what I was doing too. Um, so I didn't really look at it like giving up on a dream. I looked at it like taking a left into another dream and figuring that maybe I'd get back to the first dream once mm-hmm. I knew how to support myself well. I just, I didn't want to be a struggling artist. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an artist and I wanted to help people and um, Mm -hmm. not be broke doing it. Oh, that's so beautiful. So basically you still honor your dream, but you're just going to take a different direction at it. Not necessarily giving up. It's more like exploring a different avenue that you always uh, found interested to helping others and yourself. 
<laughs> yeah, because when I hear you say, how did you digest that? I can feel in my heart how heartbroken I probably would have felt if I really looked at it that way at the time. So for I didn't look at it that way, I think. Mm -hmm. Glad That's I beautiful. I love how optimistic you always are. Well, you know, you try. <laughs> That's it comes beautiful. it comes from having a dark it comes from having a dark side. I mean, I think that's part of why I love comedy. I think comedy is such an elixir um and so many people who you know, who have been through bad things cope through finding the humor. And Isn't that interesting? Can you tell us more? Yeah, I actually I read this book once how it was it was a really like weird um like an astrology book, I think, which I'm not mm. super into, but it was just explaining. Well, I think I was reading about Capricorns because I'm a Capricorn and Dave's a Capricorn. <laughs> oh. Um, and, but it was saying how a lot of Capricorns are become comedians, which mm -hmm. if you look like in the Austin scene, there's a lot of Capricorn comedians in our community. What? Yeah. And so according to this book, I mean, I feel silly even <laughs> sharing this. It was so long ago. But according to this book, um, a lot of Capricorns, whether it was this life or in another mm -hmm. life, have like really experienced the victims, like a victim experience. And through that victimhood, there's like the power mm -hmm. of comedy is born. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how no, we got I, there. I, I, no, totally. <laughs> I, I think it makes sense. I think it's so interesting that how um you know i'm thinking about your journey how you begin when you have your own suffering own pain and you're able to turn it around and you want to help others and similarly when you know they are they are mystery they are they are hardship and you're able to find the light the, the laughter inside of that i think that is what resilience adversity truly means would you agree with that absolutely i mean i think there's we all go through stuff. I mean, I don't think you can be a human and not have gone through painful things. Um, mm -hmm. And those painful things certainly contribute to who we become. And we either let those things ruin us, hurt us, make us mm -hmm. bitter, cold, or closed off, or we use those things to open our hearts and be more connected, compassionate, mm -hmm. conscious people. Mm -hmm. I also think comedians are smarter than the average <laughs> please tell us more <laughs> well because i mean you have to be commenting you have to have a certain level of awareness to mm -hmm. create humor out of something especially you know painful things yeah i i do agree i think um people my misunderstanding in a life will think oh comedian you're just being funny you should tell jokes but yeah me myself you know with my involvement well, you know on the stage I do agree I think having that insight having that level of self-awareness is tremendously important for being a good comedian um, to really able to create and yes and yes <laughs> love that okay so this point you decide to take a different turn you go to grad school um, and what's next? What happened? Do you love it? Is it is that what you want? <laughs> I love it. Um, oh my gosh! So when? So just to be totally honest, so the so all of my those early years, I was simultaneously going to acting school, but also starting to like really work on myself and be really interested in personal growth. Mm -hmm. And I ended up moving to Austin. Origin this is my second time living in Austin, but I lived here once a long, long time ago because mm -hmm. I started doing this personal growth course, and then I started teaching the course, and then they hired me um, to train the trainers of the course, and that's how I ended wow. up here a long time ago. So I had started my master's. Um, yeah, I started my master's, then I was here in Austin, then I was going back and forth from Cleveland to Austin training trainers, doing my mm. graduate studies. And I was so, oh, I was so arrogant when, I mean, I probably still am, but I was really Why? at the time. Well, I just, I'd already been through so much in my young life. And I had also, you know, I was the youngest person training these people, spending thousands of dollars to become these trainers and I'm training them. I just felt like a total know-it-all. So mm -hmm. by my second and third year of my master's, I just, 
you know, I was getting in arguments with my professors and telling them like the way they're helping people is outdated and it's disempowering. And um, that was a thrill there. Um, but it was, <laughs> but I loved learning. Like I love learning and I love challenging. And, you know, one of the gifts I got from my dad and just, and just to say, I'm super close with both my parents um, and I love them a lot. One of the gifts I got from my dad when I was really young is, you know, he, he taught me every sport. He, he taught me how to box when I was six years old. Right now I'm, I'm in our guest room and I'm looking in our closet and I have a original Muhammad Ali child's boxing glove kit. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, and he, he wouldn't let me win on anything. Like if I wanted, I had to beat him fair and square. And I remember him telling me once we were arguing at the kitchen table and he said to me, he's an attorney. And he said to me, you can say anything you want and you can argue anything you want as long as you have an intelligent argument. Mm. And there's something about that that gave me, I think, courage for the rest of my life. I was, I've just never been afraid to speak up about anything to anyone. And um, I think that helped that's such a beautiful gift. Yeah. So and, and you go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, I don't know how we got off of that. I was just, I guess my obnoxious behavior when I was getting my master's and when that was over, um, there was something there. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember. So I was living in Austin. Now I'm a psychotherapist. I'm a new psychotherapist and I'm totally depressed. <laughs> Wait, because- what? You just was so high in your life. How do you, (laughs) what happened? I think what happened is I just like working and being around unhappy things. It was like too much. It was too much. It wasn't, it was just too much. And so I decided to take an improv class and the whole time I was getting, you know, my, bachelors and acting and stuff they had improv there but I was completely terrified of it my ego just could not let me even imagine being on stage without a script I just I thought they were crazy I had no interest I just thought like like that's the ultimate looking bad is like if you is to have nothing to say and have to make it up I just that seemed terrifying for me at the time in college and then um so now I'm a new psychotherapist I'm totally depressed I decided mm-hmm. to take an improv class because I just need to laugh mm-hmm. and I just immediately fell in love I thought it was the best thing in the world mm-hmm. um Tyler Bryce substituted he substituted a class once. It was a UT informal class. He came and substituted and he told me that I should audition for comedy sports here in Austin. Mm-hmm. And wow. I, I did. And that's how I found improv. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait, um, I, I just want to take a second to unpack a lot of things here. First of all, okay. how do you recognize? So you were a master program at the time. You were doing the training, uh, train the trainer thing. Will you end that, end that when you become a psych- psychotherapist? Um, because you yeah. love it. Why do you stop that, that avenue? Well, that company became kind of, um, I'm trying to find a better word than culty, but I can't find one. So it got a little culty and the guy oh, okay. who was running it like was really, I don't know if he was mismanaging the finances or I think his finance guy was mismanaging it. It kind of, it kind of fell apart. Um, It was still, it took a while to recover from that because it was like my whole life kind of the way. I'm just going to say, was it difficult for you given that at the time you were on the high, right? You were the youngest person training all the incredible people, you know, you were prestigious in some way. Was it hard for you to kind of coming from there to kind of, ground they realize oh that's not the world and you're going to go back to whatever uh, reality at the time yeah absolutely I mean you know like everything in hindsight hindsight after you integrate it you can more clearly see here are the gifts like here's Mm -hmm. the bad part here's the good part and so I feel like I can see that clearly now there were so many gifts I had so many amazing experiences and opportunities and training from getting to do that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I was really, 
I don't know if this is the right word, but it's the word that's here. So it's like shell-shocked afterwards. I mean, I, I couldn't even go to the grocery store for a long time. I mean, I was, it became so insular. That was my, that was my whole life. It was my work. It was my social life. It was my everything. Um, and it took me a good year to recover and be able to just act like a regular person in the world. How, um, how do you able to get out? I think time, I mean, time passing and I, you know, I tried to create like a safe place to live. And by safe, I just mean, you know, comfy, cozy. I didn't mm -hmm. ask anything more of myself than I could do at mm -hmm. the time. I, um, you know, and I had mm -hmm. just gotten my master's. So I was like ready to start like mm -hmm. <laughs> helping people, believe it or not. And, but, you know, like helping people, you can only help people as far as you're willing yourself to go, but there's all, you know, we're always ahead mm -hmm. of somebody. We're, we're always a few steps ahead where we can be in service to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did that, but I was still kind of depressing. And that's when I found improv. And then that's when everything mm -hmm. changed. Um, I felt like I could be happy and help people and pursue this art that I had just mm -hmm. fallen in love with. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I want to take a second to acknowledge that, you know, Right now, this is a difficult time for all of us, right? You mentioned at that time, point of your life, you were, you know, experiencing depression and you kind of don't know where to go. You cannot even go to, you know, grocery store and things like that. For just any listeners who maybe experience some hardship similar than that, do you have any suggestions, advice? Uh, Rachel, I just want to make sure we can provide some good nuggets to folks who are maybe also need some help. Yeah. Um... I don't know if this applies to everyone, but I'm sure this applies to some people who can relate. So I think what happens is, is when we're feeling bad, whether it's depressed or anxious or feeling like we have some limitation, it's really easy to take it personally, to, to feel like we're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with us or we're mm -hmm. bad or we don't deserve better or like, you know, just like there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. And my advice would be just to remember that we are not our experiences mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with you. Even, I mean, part of what, one of the things I love about my work, therapy and coaching is that I don't diagnose people. And as some people might call that rebellious, I just call it forward thinking. And the reason is because I think we pathologize responses to things that are perfectly valid, normal responses. In other words, if, you know, if you're, if, if you've been in a culty situation, you might feel afraid to go out in the world. That's not a pathology. That's a normal response. If you're, mm. um, you know, if you're living through a pandemic and you happen to be single and you're quarantining alone and you're mm -hmm. feeling profoundly lonely and disconnected, that's not a diagnosis. There's not something wrong with you. Feeling mm -hmm. lonely and disconnected is a totally natural response to what you're experiencing. So I think the first thing is to, uh, my first piece of advice would be to, to honor that mm -hmm. you're brilliant and you're wonderful and everything will get better. And step one is to remember that this is an experience. This isn't you. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so beautiful. Rachel, I, I think you are right. It's so beautiful to say that there's, there's like, there's no diagnosis, there's no, nothing wrong with you or me or whoever feels certain way is, you know, to honor that experience, I realize we are not all experienced. It's so, so beautiful. And thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Thanks for <laughs> just pulling it out. <laughs> Of course, it's gorgeous. So back to your journey, Rachel. At this point, um, you pivot again. Now you are psychotherapist. You don't you feel a little depressed because you know a month of you know work that in a unexpected way sounds like you were just not very um, most happy. But then moment you found improv. Wait, is that change everything? Or are you still doing psychotherapist, or you decided to pivot again? Yeah, so now I'm a now I'm a therapist that is functioning and happy. Oh, <laughs> and, so you and, need the outlet. Yeah, mm -hmm. I needed I needed I needed a place to laugh. I needed a community. I needed mm -hmm. 
and art. I mean, I've always, I draw, like I have so many, I'm, I'm connected to so many different kinds of art that I love and I just needed to feel alive, I think, in that way and be with um, people having fun and making art. So I fall in love with that. I audition for comedy sports. I become a part of comedy sports and that was just, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like a college experience for adults. We, there's like a group of five of us that become best friends mm -hmm. and we have oh. five sold out shows a weekend and we're like sleeping in each other's houses and hanging out all night. You know, the way, the way mm -hmm. you fall in love with your first group of improv friends. And so mm -hmm. that was, that was everything. Um, and then I'm so not good. I, you know, when I let things go sometimes so bad, so I can't explain it, like they're gone. I probably should have thought about this before our conversation. I guess what happens next is, oh yeah, okay, I remember. They open up a second city in Cleveland, Ohio. They open a um, yes. conservatory. Mm -hmm. So I decide to um, move home for a little while, be with family and take classes at Second City. But how are you able to part way the family you just made, the five other troopmates you just yeah together well, every single day. Is it? I mean, hard? the whole group. The comedy sports was bigger than the five. Like the whole thing is mm -hmm. an amazing family. But yeah, but the five of us. Well, everyone like everyone was ready to move. Um, some of my closest friends were ready to move to LA. Um, I was going to oh. move with them, but I had this epiphany that like I needed to go back home for some reason. So they went what to LA. Um. I can't, I don't even know. I just had this like Feelings. knowing. Yeah. Just like a knowing inside mm -hmm. that like LA probably wasn't for me and that I needed mm -hmm. to go home for a little while. Um, and so I did I, mm -hmm. go ahead. No, what were you going to say? No, I, I just love that. You always, uh, I think you are very grounded. You really connect to who you truly are and you always honor your feelings and never second doubt that. I think that's very beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I, I want that for everyone. I wish everyone would um, trust themselves more. Is it easy to come to you? Or do you always say that? Or do you have to learn that along the way? I think, I mean, I think we all learn it. But if we're, if you're open to it, I don't even know how to explain it other than to say I would so much rather make my own mistakes mm -hmm. than make a mistake because I listened to somebody else and it wasn't really real for me. I love that, Rachel. I, I think it's so beautiful and easy said than done for sure. I'm just thinking about myself, like, it's so difficult, especially, you know, I'm thinking myself as Asian, where, you know, if you're familiar with Asian culture, it's a lot of, you know, not peer pressure, but parents have expectation around you, your peer has expectation about you, and, um, and also, I think just overall society, where it's just easy to get lost to, you know, when you put in Facebook, see, oh, she took a vacation, or he went to this, or he, she did that. And I think it's easy to get lost in those noises and instead of really take a second to honor who you truly are. I think that's just such a beautiful gift that you have. Thank you. And I, I just, I want to validate what you're saying too. Like, I think we, depending on our culture, where we come from, what our parents were like, we, you know, we all get indoctrinated with so many viewpoints Mm -hmm. And the depending on how much pressure there is, it can be really hard to hear your own voice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Sometimes in that situation, like I asked, like if, if if you and I were talking about it, I would say to you, like if if you were to die, God forbid, like if you were to die tomorrow, what would be your biggest regret? Mm -hmm. And it's typically like something something we didn't listen to. Mm. That's you know, and so you deserve to have an amazing life. And I think we also get told if you do it the right way, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll get some reward at the end. Yes. Uh, but that's total bullshit. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Well, I think, you know, I mean, times are changing, thank God. But I mean, I think, you know, we all, I don't know, we all get whatever messages we get from our parents, our society, our mm -hmm. culture, our whatever you know, about how it's supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. And we, mm -hmm. we take that on ourselves. And it's like, we put our own, I guess what I want to call it is like self-love, mm -hmm. our own self-love 
our own like the day when we get to relax and feel happy comes mm -hmm. after we accomplish all these things we're supposed to do. And, and this is a huge one for me. And this is, I work with this with clients all the time, especially entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of entrepreneurs think I got to work really hard and then I can take a break and then I can have a life X, Y, Z, and then I can relax. Mm -hmm. And I believe the exact opposite is true. That if you, if we build in, like if we give ourselves all the love right now, that's mm -hmm. the path to having a successful business. If you design a schedule, the same schedule you have when you're a millionaire, if you give yourself that schedule now, you're more likely to create that money faster than, mm -hmm. you know, working and suffering and following some path that you've been told exists that mm -hmm. doesn't really exist. Is that one of the biggest optical, obstacle that you have been found working with? those overachievers who had a certain goal, a certain expectation, and just not the most happiest themselves? Yeah, I think when I'm working with, especially when I'm working with overachievers, like I always want to slow down mm -hmm. and say, let's make you having the most loving, happy life experience right now mm -hmm. be, be the path to how you get your business successful. Okay, I have to ask. How? Ask me anything, when I want to tell you that. Ask me anything. Yeah, okay, yeah, how? Because do I, you... I, I, I hear you. I hear you logically. I understand that. And I'm, I have to say I'm one of them where I actually literally could not relax. Like on weekends, my husband would be like, you play golf. And I was like, how? Like, how? what in the world? <laughs> I'm, I'm working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, like including weekends. And I don't know, well, in the past, comedy is my only way to slow down that moment mm -hmm. all my mind is in that present moment but in any other time like i don't do yoga relaxing i think that yoga is extremely torturing just just stay there <laughs> do nothing it's i'm gonna die so please show us how okay well first i just want to confess and say i'm not the best relaxer either like thank god i'm married to dave <laughs> buckman who is like a champion relaxer and sometimes like i can't relax until he's home <laughs> but i've gotten a lot better a lot better but i think so there's there's relaxing so i want to make a distinction there's relaxing mm -hmm. and slowing mm -hmm. down and having fun mm -hmm. and there's um this is the best way I can describe it in this moment, but there's like the actions you would take if you were loving yourself as if you were like your own fairy godmother. Oh. And so I'll give you, I'll give you an, a tangible example from my life and then maybe we can like walk through one in your life if you want to. Yes. Okay. So like, this is something I rarely admit. I only admit it like in circles where I feel really safe because I think it's so obscene. Okay. <laughs> um, but there are only a certain amount of hours during the week that I want to work direct one-on-one -on -one with clients because there's mm -hmm. only a certain amount of hours that I can give my full genius to mm -hmm. in that way. And mm -hmm. so let's, let's say that number is something like, seven or eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, if my commitment to myself is that's only, that's how many hours I will work. And if I have a huge income goal, then I need to be able to create that level of income working that number of hours with people I love. Like mm -hmm. you commit to all three things and all three things happen. Wow. You just command it and it will happen? Well, yeah, you, you got to like you be committed to it. You be a stand for making your life as awesome as it can be. It doesn't mean that. I don't work more hours than that, but I, mm -hmm. I all those other hours are doing other things or working on the business or working, you know, with Cold Town or whatever. But let's let's pick one. You want to pick one for you? Yes. And I want you to take a second and say you are incredible at really take a you know make boundaries and make commitment to yourself i think that's so difficult for most people and when i think about myself like i don't exactly know the answer because i i love 
I love working. I think working is creating. I love to make an impact to the world. I love when I'm connecting with others. Like those are not things that work to me. They, they really bring me so much joy. I actually anxious when I'm just sitting on the couch and do nothing. I maybe I think this is my limiting belief. Um, I, this kind of Asian mentality, which is not right, but I'm gonna admit it anyway. I think in Asia, it's like, you know, growing up, my mom, my parents always compare me. You know, it's always about, oh, look at your cousin, she is so so and so, she is so this and that. It's never a good job, despite if I get you know ninety seven out of a hundred. It's not like great job. It's more like why don't you get a hundred? So that mentality kind of like. You know, grow up with me, and even though when I was young, I hated it. That is one time I didn't tell my mom, "Why don't you get my husband? My my cousin is your daughter because she just used her as so much resembles." And but yeah, growing up, I think I start realizing I repeat the pattern to myself. And today, be as adult, right? And my mom, my dad is not saying that to my ear, but I feel like I say that to myself in the hardest way. And I felt if I'm not achieving, not accomplishing, I am. Wasting essentially, which is such a weird logic, but I think where's that? That's where it all come from. Therefore, I think as ambitious as you know, uh, optimistic, probably I am, but I also have this um, anxious energy that I felt like is not conducive to a productive life. You said that so perfectly, so perfectly. When so let let's dissect that for just a moment. <laughs> okay. I I'm with you. I love to work too. Like I don't really mm-hmm. consider my work work. Same with mm-hmm. you. You know what I mean? It's creating. I love it and it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Um I think I mean, and I could be wrong. I'm just sharing my thoughts with you. Um you you know, we adopt the thoughts and the thinking that we that we receive. Just like you said, it's like mm-hmm. your your maybe your your mom or your dad did that to you and then you recognize, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, I'm doing that to me too." Mm-hmm. And what it was was, you know, I'm sure let's just assume that they had a positive intention, whether they did or yes. not, just for the sake they of do. this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, they love you. They mm-hmm. see how incredible you are and they want the best for you and they want you to be the best and all of those things. And they probably have the same indoctrination which is mm-hmm. this unspoken thing, I think, which is mm-hmm. if we achieve enough, then X, Y, Z. But what is the X, Y, Z? I'm curious even to ask you that when, like, when mm-hmm. you, what is the goal? What's the end goal? <laughs> you know, if you ask me, I really want to make a world a better place. I think we all have, you know, have a place in this world. And I thinking back on my journey, how I came to the world, how I try, try, and try until I get here. I think at the end of the day, I felt it's me only to the world. I it's my turn to 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 provide, to give, to help um, making world a better place. And I I felt that responsibility really really deep in my heart. That's one um, in terms of what I want. But if you ask me, why do I want to get all those things at M? What, what really do I want? And I know that. Um, I want my dad, my, I, want them, I want them to approve me. I want them to love me the way, I think it sounds so silly to even admit that. I, I just want them to be proud of me. So that's, that's like, that's what's like, that's the beauty, that's the good news and the bad news. That's the beautiful part and the pain part. For all of us, <laughs> The beautiful part is like we're driven to make the world a better place. And I know mm-hmm. you have that drive in you when and you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that there's the other side, which is like how much you would just love their love and approval. And if you if you hang out with that even like deeper for another moment, like so let's say you finally get their love and approval, then what, mm-hmm. what is that? What does that do for you? Um. I think I'll be really happy. I guess I don't know what is that man. I can chill. I can just relax. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. But that that's it. I think that we don't realize, which is when we get that love and approval, then we can relax and we can give that love and approval to ourselves. And my suggestion, yeah, maybe, go ahead. No, go I, ahead. I think, I think that, part is, that part is hard to 
gave that love and approval to ourselves. You know, I, as I speaking to you, I start realizing, I keep saying that I want their love and approval. Isn't it, at the end of the day, is I want my own love and approval. Yes. Well, here's the thing: if if the way you get your love and approval from you is by like one more master's degree, like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, how many degrees do you need before you grant the love and approval? And yeah. one, so what my suggestion in life that I work with, with mm-hmm. myself and a lot of my clients is if you could quit all this doing and achieving mm-hmm. and instead let yourself relax and give yourself the love and approval now, mm-hmm. not only will you achieve, but you'll, you'll be receiving the satisfaction now and forever, mm-hmm. regardless, mm-hmm. regardless of what you achieve. And I, I would also pose that what we achieve when we're doing it from already feeling relaxed, approved of mm-hmm. and loved is a mm-hmm. more beautiful contribution than the one where we're like chasing it. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. It's so beautiful. So is there if you know for out for other overachievers out there are also listening and just curious, and uh, maybe also in a similar journey, um, is there one thing, is there one simple advice that he or she can do to start loving herself or himself? Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Um, you know, it's, I think it's inside actions and outside actions. So like, I'm just thinking, I remember at some point in my life, as cheesy as this may sound, that I find, that I realized like, I need to figure this out. Like I need to know what loving yourself means beyond some like mm-hmm. concept, um, yes. you know? And so for me, it was like, I asked myself, what's one action, no matter how small that I can take that mm-hmm. like is show that will show me, like will take me down that path. And it's mm-hmm. different for everyone. And for me, it was so small, but I started to buy flowers and I, I, would, I would keep a fresh flower in a vase next to my bed. I did that for years. And now I just, I always have flowers in my house, always. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I'm pausing because I, I just want to say, like, I can talk about all this deep stuff. And equally, if we were on stage, I could also be making fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and both is true. Both are true. But so with the self-love thing, it's like, you can actually start, take the time to ask yourself, what is the most loving thing I can do for myself today? What a beautiful question. And then listen, like really listen to the answer and do it. And the more you, the more you ask and listen Mm -hmm. and do, the more you build a relationship with yourself that you can trust. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes the answer is to just let myself relax or Mm -hmm. the answer might be, postpone that meeting that I don't really want to have right now. And eventually Mm -hmm. it might be leave that crappy job or, you Mm -hmm. know, who knows what the answer is, but Mm -hmm. we got to start asking. Also, sometimes I'll ask my clients, like if you had a fairy godmother, like a real live, (laughs) amazing Mm -hmm. fairy godmother, like what wishes would you want her to grant you? And then you start granting them, grant them. Mm -hmm. This is your life, you know? Oh my God, so beautiful that, Rachel. I, I love that relates your mission to bring that happiness and joy to the world. And I think the world needs more of someone like you who are just so compassionate and so sweet and loving in the heart. And I do have to agree. I think um, ask yourself that question and honor whatever truth coming out for you, whether it's a flower for you, whether it's doing yoga every day, whether it's go off and running, whether it's you know start a business, quit your business, whatever that that decision is for you and make a commitment and take that step I think that's essentially one step closer for you to be closer to your truth I I love that Rachel so thank you for sharing that so back to you so now <laughs> in your journey yes um, you found improv you found something you so love now you are the happiest psychotherapist and then you decided you know what i'm gonna go back to cleveland ohio because why not you're gonna go hang out with your family uh be part of a second city um and now what 
Well, then I met Dave Buckman. Um, and that was fun. Um, and we, he was officially living in Chicago, but they had hired him to direct a show in Cleveland and that's how we met. Mm-hmm. And, um, we did long distance for a little while Then he moved to Cleveland and we knew we weren't going to stay in Cleveland and we were trying to figure out where we were going to go. We were I think it came down to in the end again LA or Austin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um we just I just never wanted to struggle I think like after I lived through all the things that I lived through in my life there's just no way I was I'm just I'm not into struggling (laughs) I'm done with struggle um and I felt like Dave would love Austin he had been here once and I had Mm -hmm. obviously already lived here and I just knew this was a place where you have sunshine and you could also have a normal life and you could also be creative. And I just felt like it was the right place for us. Mm-hmm. And we moved here. Um, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. We moved so, here and the, the oh, go ahead. Sorry. Also, were you still a, a psychotherapist or at what point you decided to start your own thing? Um, I always kind of had my own business, like as a therapist and, you know, I, that was no different when we moved down here and the, the, our, we moved here like right around Thanksgiving, I think. And our first official day in Austin, we drove to the hideout theater to meet Andy, um, who I, we did not know. We had just heard like he was the person to talk to and he was so wonderful Mm-hmm. And so we started doing stuff at the hideout and it was such a loving, wonderful, like merging, like a emerging community. And that was mm-hmm. just the best, like those early, those early days were just amazing. Um, the entire improv scene could fit in someone's backyard and we would have, <laughs> you know, these potlucks once a year in the backyard and we would do love notes um, to everyone. And it was just like, oh, it was mm-hmm. so great. Um, yeah. And then, so once that got going and then um, we'll skip ahead, we made the guys from, we made everybody from Cold Town and we merged with them to help them open and teach classes at Cold Town. And that was amazing. And once that got going, I moved full in into mm-hmm. creating my own business. What was just that? Did both of those things. Were you, were you always had that thought? Was it difficult or is it like a natural next step? And what it was totally natural. No, I mean, I've always been super ambitious. Um, why? We took, why? That's you a great question. I think, yeah, I just, you know what it is? I think there's a few things. One is, um, I think like money is one of those taboo things to talk about. And that always aggravated me um, mm-hmm. because I think we're indoctrinated with the idea that you either help people or you make money you're a good person or you have a lot of money and that, yeah. and that these two things don't come together. And I just think that's so ridiculous, especially I work with a lot of women and one of my mm-hmm. favorite things to do is help women make money because <laughs> I think money belongs in the hands of like smart, loving women. That's mm-hmm. where the money belongs because um, so I also like in, in my work, I teach a lot about money and money mindset and mm-hmm. because I, I want to, break all those limiting beliefs that it's a not okay to talk about and b not okay to have and um mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I really love that is there is there one thing or you know easiest stuff for folks who are maybe today are you know she or he are in that state of mind and to get out of that like is there advice to do so i think i'm i'd have to think about that for a minute but i'll, I'll just say you know mm-hmm. the reminder that like all of these beliefs are all made up just because they've been hanging around for a long time. Doesn't mean they're <laughs> like actually empowering, you know, yes. and mo- money is money is a tool for your freedom, for your generosity, for mm-hmm. your self-expression. And, and so for me, just living through the things I lived through this idea, and this has only been in like the past hunk of years that I finally uncovered this because I was also curious, like, why, why am I, so interested in making money because at the same time I really don't give a shit about money but I'm definitely like between me and Dave I'm definitely the ambitious one in that way 
Um, and for me, and this is just me personally, it's this realization that mm-hmm. we are all unlimited beings. And no matter what we've been through, we can still create at the top of our abilities. Mm-hmm. And to me, like money, especially the way I make money, like every dollar I make is because I help somebody and did something mm-hmm. that I love. And so mm-hmm. to me, it's like the, it's this, it's the, the confidence and the empowerment that comes with being able to take really good care of yourself with being able to love yourself and create well, like the idea that I can give Mm -hmm. myself anything I want is for me so healing because I think a million years ago, I thought if I wanted to have things in my life, I'd have to find a husband who was Mm -hmm. rich, who I could give those things to me. And like, I had all these complexes about my looks. I never felt pretty enough. And I thought, well, I'm not, no one I want is going to want me. Like I had all this stuff. Um, How do you pivot? From that moment of you felt I needed to have a man to buy me things. And therefore (laughs) I need to be pretty, I need to be skinny, want me all those things. And how do you, from that moment, transition to this incredible super woman today, step into her light, make her money and be proud of it. How do you do that? I think it's just like, uh, I'll try to find it while I talk to you. I don't know if I have an immediate answer. Let me just see if there is one. <laughs> I think it's just like. I'm just curious. If think... there, is there one like defining moment? What is one pivotal things? What is good or what bad in a moment? Or you start realizing it's just not an option or it's actually not who you are or what you want. I'm just curious if there's an experience. Yeah, I don't know if there is one experience. I would actually say I think it's the accumulative experience of working mm-hmm. on myself. Like I think I mm-hmm. like to me just like improv is an art, coaching is an art. It's like it's my art. And so mm-hmm. in order to be really good at it, I work mm-hmm. really hard on me. Mm-hmm. And so um I think just having more and more experiences of practicing creating Mm -hmm. beyond what I thought was possible just Mm -hmm. like gives you the confidence to keep creating beyond what you think is possible. I don't know. I don't know if Mm -hmm. that really exactly answers the answer, but yeah, yeah, this is is so so beautiful. I, I love that. Really, I think you always look inside and find the answer within. And when you find that beautiful thing, you now want to bring that to your customer, to your clients and serve them in a way that you enjoyed. I think that's very beautiful. I think, you know, one of the like one of the many things in the world is I think people feel so disempowered compared to what they're really capable of. And so if Why do you I. Think that? I think we're just told so many lies and when we're mm-hmm. little, we, we're like a sponge and we take so many things on and believe them. Just like the idea, mm-hmm. like if you work hard, X, Y, Z, it's not about mm-hmm. working hard. It's about working well. It's about doing something you love. It's about mm-hmm. using the things you love to make a contribution. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. yeah, I just think, and I wow. also think, I think that's mm-hmm. part of the human experience too, is to like be here and feel like there's mm-hmm. these limitations and learn how to, to discreate them and make up something new to believe in that lets you be all of who you are. Mm-hmm. I, I love that, Rachel. You're just so courageous. You're so bold. You just decide, you know what? That's not true. You are committed to find a real truth for yourself and your, your clients all around. I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing you do. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, Rachel, at this point, right, you've done it all, you see it all, you really stop in your superpower and impacting the world every day. I'm curious, along the journey, you obviously are a superwoman, you did it all, but is there any moment that you ever doubt yourself or you ever feel like, you know what, Dan, I don't know if I can pull this off or I don't know if I'm in the right gig. Like, do you ever have those moments? Um, it's not that I don't get discouraged because I do, but I just don't quit. (laughs) I think 
I think there's actually no such thing as failure. I don't think people fail. I think they quit. I think they give up because they feel discouraged. And so um, I'm what, sure. What, what keep you going? Uh, what What is the one thing that you know when the moment the time was hard, and when the thoughts of quitting is in your head, and you decide, you know what, I'm not quitting. What is that one thing that inspire you? And the reason I ask for that is I imagine. So listeners, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you are um, creating a project, run a marathon, whatever that thing is for you, you know, sure, he might also in that, in the trench of, oh, damn, this is hard. Oh, darn, I don't know if I can do this. I was curious about how did you put it through? Yeah, I hear you. I wish I had a better answer. I, maybe two days from now, I'll call you on the phone with a better answer. But I think I just... Like, I'm not gonna, yeah, I don't know. I just like, I'm, I'm not gonna give up. I have, like, I love to grow. I love growing. Mm -hmm. I can't even explain it, but I love learning and growing. Mm -hmm. And I have like a difference I want to make. I just, I'm too driven. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just too driven. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I guess the other piece is, I think if I'm being really honest. Yes. (laughs) I think I'm just like feeling into like a younger version of me. I think, yeah, I think the thing I wanted most in my life after like making it through what I've lived through as a little person, as a young person is um, some like someone to love that loves me. Like to me, like finding that this, like this love where it's like, there is love, there's safety, there's belonging, there's laughter, like this, like Mm -hmm. total companionship. I -hmm. think, yeah, I think like one of, one of the wounds from my childhood, I think was just like this profound loneliness. And Mm -hmm. so have like finding Dave and having this person who, I mean, like he loves me really well. And so I know that like all of the success that I have Mm -hmm. is, hugely because there's someone loving me all the time and telling me like all the things I want to hear and need to hear. It's like an, it's like an antidote from my childhood that like makes me feel safe in the world. And I think when we're loved well, whether it's we love ourselves well, or we're lucky enough Mm -hmm. to have someone else that loves us well, I think that love, it's just like, it's really easy Mm -hmm. to keep going because you feel safe at home. Which mm-hmm. is why I'll just add, like, when I work with couples where one or both are entrepreneurs, we work on the relationship because, you know, home, ideally home is where you feel the most loved, the most safe, the most cared for. And when we have a foundation like that, we can create anything. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's so beautiful. I love that all the answers always fall into love, which is so beautiful. Um, I'm curious, Rachel, you know, what a beautiful journey. You unpacked so much incredible adventure that you had. And today, you know, being who you are, I'm curious, um, who have you become, you know, for the past two, three decades, you know, of doing the work on yourself, serving the, you know, the clients, stepping to your super uh, power, you know, uh, lit out in the uh, comedy community and you serving everyone around you. You share all those love, whether it's friends, you know, family, um, stranger on the street, whatever you name it. And today, who have you become? If you look back, you know, two, three decades ago, you know, if you look at that little girl when, you know, she was just, felt that lonely, felt that disappointment, that moment. And today, looking back, who have you become? Hmm. That's a really beautiful question. It also feels, um, <laughs> I, like, I, I don't have a lot of humility, but that feels like an embarrassing question to answer. Um, so let me just feel into an honest answer. I think, um, I can I can share mine and the reason I asked for that yeah. is I'm just so curious, you know, today I looking back uh, my quote unquote American dream when I see how far I came along and 
you know, I, I thought I thought at the moment when I was when I was eight, and you know, we live in this house with like nine people in small house. We share one bathrooms, and you know, my grandma will always, you know, when we do dinner, she will start the fire in the oven. I literally pick out the wood and start the fire and start making dinner. And I never even had birthday when I was until when I was twelve. I remember the first birthday cake I ever had is my grandma, you know, literally like chucking on the wood and made this um start the fire and she steamed a cake for me. And this obviously no cream, no everything. It really just like a steam sponge cake. Anyway, that was when I was twelve. I remember that moment specifically because that's the first time I felt being celebrated and being loved. And today looking back on my journey, um the reason I mentioned that moment is because I felt I come such a long way and I start seeing um you know how I today uh, use that experience. I mean, you feel like I want to serve the world. I want everyone to feel love, feel celebrated, feel um, they can, um, they are supported. They are do, they can do, they can step into their own superpower and do whatever uh, they desire to do. And I really, really grateful to be standing right here, right now, have a loop over my head and have a nice AC. You know, I just felt this is such a beautiful journey and today who I become without that moment without those journey along the way I will not be who I am today and I just so beyond grateful just even have this opportunity speaking with you right now and I thought of this is not just happened like I worked every single day for past 10 years every day worked that moment till right now I can stand right here having this beautiful conversation with you I'm just so beyond grateful and I think that is what would transform who I am today. Think about my journey. When you are so, you are such an inspiration. I mean, you're, you're so beautiful. And I, I really like, I love the word you use, celebrate. Like you really want to celebrate people and you so embody that in who you are. I mean, <laughs> you do. Like every intro I've heard of like on your podcast and stuff, like you, you are so full of love and celebration. And I, you know, I think like, I guess one of the like silver linings when you've been through really hard times is that you so want to save the world from having to feel any of those feelings that we felt. And so we want to be, you know, I, it's like, we, I know for me too, it's like, I want to be the antidote to that in everybody's Mm -hmm. life. I want everyone to feel all the things that I wanted to feel and I want to help everyone feel that and help Mm -hmm. them you know, escape feeling all the bad stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, something I'm playing with recently is just this idea of that, like you, you can't kill innocence. And I think, you know, I, I rarely if ever talk about it. And even though I'm alluding to it, I'm obviously not really talking specifically here, but just like, you know, I think when you or for me, like I saw so many bad things so early. Um, but I never, I've never like lost my innocence. I think when we're depressed, we don't feel very innocent. And so I'm, I'm so grateful to be happy. And I think that's another part of my journey too. I mean, part of mm-hmm. along the path to getting to happy, I went through a phase where I was like faking happy. Like I thought you had to like fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, and one day I just was like, I, I can't, effing take it anymore like this is exhausting I rather feel like shit and be real than (laughs) fake this happy crap like it's exhausting right um and so for me there's something about just I don't know like holding on like knowing that there is so much love and so much innocence in all of us and even the people Mm -hmm. that are like monsters Mm -hmm. in the world not and this is not to excuse any monstrous behavior because mm-hmm. it's horrible and heartbreaking, but the reminder that like every monster is likely just a soul that didn't get the love that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And those of us that are so lucky that no matter what we went through, we still have like tons of love available to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going with this when, but just like it's beautiful. I just, you know, we're here to love each other and we're here to grow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I love about improv and I use this, like I train other coaches and therapists is like this idea of the willingness to get it indefinitely wrong. Like we don't even have to get it right. (laughs) You don't even have to get it right. You just have to go out there and play. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yes, I love yeah. that. And speaking of which, remind of, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the improv training that you have at Cold Town? And how do you think that, you know, both maybe in the corporate world, in the business world, how does that integration will help them to um, achieve what they want? Well, I think, I mean, I'm sure we all have touching, emotional, and totally like deep stories about what improv has done for us. To me, um, I mean, the idea of, like, can you imagine, like, I'm going to say this to you, but I sometimes I say this to like groups of people that I'm training and using improv mm-hmm. in the training is like, can you imagine waking up in the morning and all of a sudden, all the judgment in your life is gone. There's no judgment. There's no self-judgment. There's no judgment mm-hmm. of anybody else. And you put on whatever you feel like wearing and you go to work back in the <laughs> days when we used to go to work. And mm-hmm. and there's and there's <laughs> guess what? There's no judgment there either. And everyone is just like totally supporting everyone. And every idea mm-hmm. you have is brilliant and added to. Um, mm-hmm. Like what would life be like? What would life be like, you know, not only if we said yes to each other, but we said yes to mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I think living a life from that perspective, from, a, from the idea of a radical, supportive, everything is all right. There's brilliance in everything. How can we say yes? How can we play? How can mm-hmm. we support the things that we can create together in this world from that perspective or you know, pretty incredible. Yes. Wow, Rachel. Oh my God, what a beautiful, beautiful journey. I just I just love that you are such a beautiful soul. You're able to really leverage whether it's, you know, the pain, the, the difficulty that you have in your life, turn those into, into love, into 10 times of love, to love the world, love people around you and really continue serving and making impact. I just, it's just such an honor for me to today unpack a story and share that with all of my audience. So thank you. This is such a tremendous honor. I really, really grateful for you being here today. When, thank you so much. You are, I just want, I want to receive that, but I just want to give back that you are such an inspiration, powerful light of love and celebration. And thank you for having me. Of course. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I cannot wait to see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.